Hi, you are listening to First Gen Healing, a podcast on Latinx healing and awakening journeys. My name is Priscila Luna, and I have a beautiful mujer today as a guest. I'm so excited for you guys to meet her, but I want to let her introduce herself. Well, gracias Priscila for having me today. So my name is Elizabeth, but you can call me Liz. Um, I am the founder of Calidad Holistic Wellness and Therapy. I've also um, started um, Cafecito y Calidad podcast, and I hold many roles in my life. So I'm an entrepreneur. I am a mother. I'm a creative. I'm an athlete. Yeah, I'm really excited to share a little bit more as we get this conversation going. Yay. All right. So tell us a little bit about your cultura. I always like to ask people uh, where they're from and also if they have any siblings. Yes. So I self-identify as a first gen uh, Mexican-American. I am the daughter of immigrants. Um, Both my parents are from Mexico and um, I grew up in California. I actually grew up in a little city um, called Chino, so it's close to Pomona, it's close to the IE, and I am the eldest. of. I have a younger brother who is three years younger than myself. How was your first-gen experience growing up? What do you remember that being like? My mother grew up in, she immigrated from Tijuana when she was very little, so she must, was more acculturated to the American culture. My father immigrated when he was 18, so a little bit older. Okay. So um, my dad um, speaks English, but not um, it's not his, you can tell it's not his primary. My mother is fluent in English and in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So I got a little bit of both worlds there. Mm-hmm. And so my grandmother actually was one of the... Um, individuals that raised me. I'm very close. Okay. I was very close to her. She she passed away a couple years ago, but I grew up, you know, my grandmother lived with us um, and she was the person that I saw most often. So being first gen, I remember, especially being the eldest daughter, Priscilla, I remember um, having to do a lot of like the translating. I know that you've talked yeah. a little bit about this in your social media, but being the eldest, I did have to do a lot of the translating. I did feel like I grew up a little bit faster than um, others because of the different responsibilities that I had to do. Yeah. So I would, um, even when I was in high school, kind of growing up, I the minute I started driving, I was the one responsible for taking my grandmother to her doctor's appointments, making sure to, I helped with making appointments, make sure I picked up her prescription medication all these different things but that started even younger I uh, my parents are both entrepreneurs and I think my grandmother and my parents were some of the people that really modeled like entrepreneurship and I remember growing up and having to go with my parents to work and having to have to skip out on certain activities that I really wanted to do because teníamos que trabajar. They wanted to model that for myself and my brother that teníamos que trabajar. Um, You need to know like the value of hard work. And so if I wasn't with my parents, I was helping my grandmother translating taking her on different appointments but even like um even before you started driving Priscilla I was going to the doctors my mom would drop us off and I would stay with her Mm, and I was like making sure I was having yeah 
yeah. having these conversations with the doctors. So yeah. um, there's just so much to unpack there. But those are some of like the core memories I definitely have. Mm. I love that. Thank you for sharing that because I think that those are the commonalities that a lot of us have and that maybe we have shoved away as normal or as just that's just how life is. But in reality, when you start to speak to others, it's actually not right. There's actually a lot of people who get to be kids. So I um, have been having some flashbacks, too, of, you know, just being home and, like, being handed a phone. Like, ten tu háblale, because está en inglés, you know? Like, no, no hablan español. Yeah. So as a kid, you have to be, like, ready to go, ready to translate. Yes, yes. And whether it's, like, you know, tu habla, or even just, um, what, I, what do I remember? <sighs> like, I remember just, like, driving and having to take my grandmother to... Um, to the doctor or even to like the grocery store and like all these different responsibilities that I'm like um there is like a specific memory that stands out where I was in high school and me gusta bailar like I love to dance I was in dance and me gusta la musica and I remember one summer I was asked to be a part of like um like a more advanced dance class and um, I was told no by my parents because I needed to work during the summer and that's always been something that like comes to my mind where I had to not be what I I call it play I wasn't able to play the way I wanted to and I think now as an adult that's kind of what I'm starting to do I'm starting to play and tap into that creativity Mm Ooh. I think even that, right, like extracurricular activities could sometimes be burden to our family. Yeah, I had a similar experience where I started playing basketball and my dad would drive me and then would sleep while I practice and I would see him sleeping and he'd be like, you don't know how hard this is for us to like have to bring you here. And so I stopped playing, you know, and it just like now thinking back, I'm like, dang, like, yeah, you, you do lose out on different opportunities. Or when it's done, it's done a la carrera. It was like such a different experience than other people probably got. Yeah, I could definitely relate to that part too, where it was like a la carrera. Or um, when I had like a performance of some sort, like I would see, my mom would stay, but my dad would like instantly like have to go. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, yeah, like no debrief, no opportunity to really um, talk about, right? Like how that was for mm-hmm. us. Yeah. So, you know, this podcast is about healing and awakening journeys, Mm -hmm. and I'm excited. I'm always surprised by what people say, so I'm excited to hear what you resonate with most and when you think that journey started for you. My journey really did start when I was in graduate school. Mm -hmm. Um, I was required for my master's degree. I have a master's in marriage and family therapy, and we were required to go to therapy as part of our own process and journey so i started going i started working with this therapist and um even starting before we started like therapy the program director told us just be warned that as you're starting this journey you're probably going to end a lot of friendships you're going to probably see your family in a different light things are going to shift for you uh, marriages might end up divorcing all these different things were like no we don't we don't see that and things definitely shifted for me just things that we were learning at school and then think starting my own really personal therapy really uncovering a lot of the wounds that I didn't realize were were really there 
and starting to see that some although I loved my family there was so many so much dysfunction and um, enmeshment Mm. in my family and I was choosing relationships that really modeled that Mm -hmm. and I did notice that I started to lose certain friendships or I wasn't attracted to those relationships anymore because of the type of work that I was doing in my own individual therapy and talking about even with my clients and in the classroom because it was very Mm process-based and so I think I started to really see how much like my inner Nina, how wounded she really was. And it's been years. I've been in therapy for many years in and out, but really uncovering some of the darkest moments of my life and learning to find that compassion. So yeah, I think even just kind of talking to you about it, it just kind of brings up like specific times of being in therapy Mm. and like really realizing how hard like some of those moments were for me regarding like my relationship with my parents Mm -hmm. and like you had mentioned earlier like how that was kind of our norm yeah yeah wow I, I I imagine that it's such a unique journey to have this as your career Right. Because it like maybe puts it at the forefront of what you're living, not only in your life, but at work. And so it's like uh, mega highlighted, let's say, um, whatever it is that you're noticing, learning, coming up against. Was there was uh, that the first time you went to therapy when you uh, had to do it for your master's program? You know, I went when I was a little girl and I it's, Mm -hmm. it's a vague memory. Um, but I remember it was myself, uh, it was my brother and my mom. And I think it was a lot more like art therapy. I think it was little. I think I really was like an elementary school. Mm. And I just remember like there was a therapist and she had us draw and talk. And I remember my dad wouldn't go. Um, but I do remember like very vaguely, but I really, the first time that I really like dove in and, um, to therapy was when I entered my master's. Mm, okay. Wow. So do you think that in the master's program, you were provided the tools to manage going through these kinds of things as a first gen? Or were they, mm. did they not align with the first gen experience, do you think? I did my master's at University of Laverne and University of Laverne, um, the reason why I ended up choosing that program was because there was a big um, emphasis on cultural competence Mm -hmm. and everything that we did was around um, being able to be culturally sensitive and attuned with our clients. Um, I I believe my program was very much... um, in tune with the first gen experience because we would definitely talk about a lot of these different experiences even our professors some of them were first gen and were able to really talk about their experience Mm -hmm. and um the first year Priscilla of seeing clients was probably one of the hardest years because you feel everything you're in your own therapy Mm -hmm. you're learning this stuff in you're in the classroom and then now you're really seeing clients clients that look like you clients that are going through your own experience and I remember really checking in not only with my cohort of other therapists 
but checking in with other professors and my supervisors and like, hey, these are some things that are coming up. It's tapping into my own like first gen experience, traumas, and I felt really supported. And I think that's why I was able to really work through a lot of my stuff when I was um, in graduate school because I I had like support from all different angles. (laughs) Mm, Wow. And how was it received at home? Because I imagine, you know, I think something that is so strange as part of the first gen experience is like our parents really push us to do bigger things, right? To go to college, get the degree, work the, some of us, right? Like work that corporate job and then you get it and then you start changing and then they hold that against you sometimes. It's like, you're changing, you're different. Ahora ya te crees. And it's such a weird experience because your whole life, it's like you've been lined up for that and you're doing it, right? And then somehow it backfires. Ah, Priscila, so... Um, going back a little bit more to memory lane, my, my dad wanted me to become a dentist, a lawyer, a doctor. Okay. (laughs) It wasn't taken well. It wasn't taken Mm. well that I was going to be a therapist. First of all, I wasn't going to make money. Mm. I wasn't, I was, it's like an art job. Wow. Uh, yeah. (laughs) So it was not taken well. Um, so there was a lot of like feelings there. Like I was going to pursue a higher education, which is what he wanted, but mm-hmm. I wasn't going down the route he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was determined. So eventually, um, I don't know if he's ever been fine with it, but you know, he kind of stopped. So when I started going to therapy and I started setting boundaries and I started to speak up, mm-hmm. I went from being like a protector to for my mother and I started to individuate mm-hmm. a little bit more and that was not taken well. I started using different language and I was told, um, porque eres terapeuta o porque te crees mucho y no usas estas palabras conmigo, um, quien te crees? And I, it was so hard so hard it I feel like the emotion just coming up right now as we're talking about this because I notice a big shift um I was no I was starting to say no more yeah. often and I was seen as the bad I was rebelling or I was seen yeah. as the, the black sheep of the family because I no longer wanted to take that role I was exhausted at being the protector and their caregiver and um, I still hear it. I know that experience a lot of the academic achievement guilt, which is something that uh, some first gens will experience of like, yeah, our parents wanted us to get this higher education, but now there's this guilt attached to it because we're mm-hmm. outgrowing our families or we're seeing things differently. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And it makes me a little bit sad that even now you you just said something like, I think my dad accepts it, you know, but it's not like he was ever okay with it. It's like, wow, Mm -hmm. you, you got your degree and a master's and you're a therapist. And that's not, you know, like, I think it brings up the word projection for me, like how after so long of projecting onto someone, right. And it not, blooming the way that you expect it you can't shift and and look beyond that projection because in reality like you're his daughter you're doing something great 
you're you know it's not like <laughs> something that you you know there's no, no shame around that so like for it to not for them to not be able to like bring that guard down or bring that projection and like f that right like that doesn't yeah. matter you're my daughter i feel like it happens in not just career choices but in so many ways in first gen homes Definitely. And, you know, it was interesting as I would hear like little comments here and there, like my mom was like, oh, yeah, he was telling your Thea that you have a master's degree mm-hmm. and that you are doing this and that. And um, and I was like, I never heard hear that. I've never heard that. Mm-hmm. And that was hard for me to hear um, because I think what ended up happening is like I think he was wanting in my own therapy processing that him wanting to really look good for himself like hey like it's almost like look at what my daughter's doing yeah because of me and um that was really hard but you know i was able to surround myself with a lot of different um colleagues and friendships and um, i have i'm fortunate to have an amazing supportive husband that continues to support me but yeah those are there are those moments of sadness still that you know, I am doing so much and I still don't hear those like, um, like I'm proud of you or it says mi hija, like echale ganas mija. Like I'm proud, like, and I don't hear that. And my love language is words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. So it's been really, it's been really hard. And I'm learning that I need to just accept that. I have to give that to myself, but also accept it from those around me who do yeah. see what I'm doing. Can I ask if you've had yeah. that conversation with your dad? Because with the people that I that I work with, sometimes I notice that there's a fear of even bringing it up, right? There's kind of like this, this um, mm-hmm. assumption that you know how the other person feels, thinks, what, what I already mm-hmm. know what they would respond. And so some of the work that I do is like, like calming calming yourself down knowing yourself enough to know that you can have this conversation even if it goes south so I'm wondering if that's something that you've Mm -hmm. brought to the table you know I think when I was um there's when I was in graduate school and doing a lot of my work and even as I've continued my own process um there have been moments but I think it's also a way I I haven't completely had like this heart to heart Mm -hmm. um because I think that um and something I've processed in my own therapy, this feeling of not feeling safe, okay. not feeling safe just based on experiences that I've had with him that um, it's there's like this level of like um, I kind of freeze mm. and um, just experiences I had where he there's a lot of gaslighting that's happened. There's a lot of like there's no um, there's no room for it. And yeah, so I think on my journey, Priscilla, it's been like grieving that in my own work, like in my healing journey, like grieving the fact that um, I'm not going to have the father figure that I've wanted or that I've Mm -hmm. needed. And because there's no emotional capacity for him to hold space for me. Mm -hmm. And I think it would do more harm if I were to kind of have that conversation so in my in my work with my therapist has been like okay well let's process that grief of like it's going to continue to come up but how do we work lean into it and work through it Mm -hmm. and how i think that that's something that i 
that I work on too and I've worked on for myself with my mother wound where I've grieved the version of mother that I think sometimes we have like this picture of a a type of mother that will come you know if I'm good enough if I do enough you think oh it's just like it's a matter of time or it's a matter of doing and so for me grieving looked like mirror work and just I had like certain songs that I would like listen to and allow the emotion to flow through what did grieving or what has grieving that version of your father that you crave uh how has that looked like for you um father's day has always been a a challenge so i think that day what i allow myself to do is feel all the feelings like the anger the sadness but also now that i'm married um, and i have a little boy i've been able to have more like reparative experiences so we really do celebrate my husband on that day Um, i'm also very close to his father and his father has kind of almost taken me on as like a daughter and i think that's and i've allowed it so he's been like he gives me the words he um one of the days he recently he picked me up from the airport and he's like it is it is tan buena persona and i'm gonna cry um just hearing or having these experiences my husband has made comments around it too um we went to the beach um, maybe a couple months ago, and I love to paddle. And his dad was like, Llévame. And we were paddling. And my husband looked at me. He's like, How was that for you? I was like, It was so nice. Like, I hadn't had an experience like that with my father. Wow. Yeah. So I think just allowing myself to accept the love that his father gives me has been really beneficial. Has yeah. been so healing. Yeah. He, um, Mother's Day, he drove all the way. He lives in Baldwin Park, so he drove all the way to our home. Um, it was like a 30-minute drive to drop me off a Mother's Day gift. Um, he's always asking anytime he calls um, my husband, like, ¿Cómo está? ¿Cómo está Liz? ¿Cómo está La familia, like he's always like attentive, and I always think like the universe really brought him into my life to get a different experience. Wow. Yeah. Was it hard to accept that to like receive that from him? Oh yeah, yeah. I think that. Well, um, in the beginning, I was a little like hesitant. My body was trying to reject Mm -hmm. it just because it wasn't familiar with it. But the more that I uh, spent time with him and the more he opened up and the more he shared with me his own stories and I shared mine, um, I've like really learned to just like embrace him and just accept that. Um, I'm always like um, having like these really like um, conversations with him. He's actually on dialysis. Um, so like, I think that that's also opened his eyes around his own like mistakes in life and things that he wants to do better. And I think that he's also trying to, I don't know if he sees me and, um, like I had mentioned like a daughter, but he like, um, his vulnerability with me, um, has been so healing for me too, just to kind of see another Latino man. Just be yeah. so vulnerable and open and talk about his struggles. And I'm like, wow, like, I don't, I'm not used to that. 
I'm mm-hmm. not used to that at all. So, um, but I think I've just been I'm telling myself, just accept it. Like, let's just accept it. Um, the more you allow it, accept it, the more it's going to become your new norm. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's been a crucial part of my experience, Priscila. I also, on my podcast, I've been able to interview um, a lot of um, men who are trying to break those multi-generational cycles and have modeled vulnerability in our episodes. And um, they've been able to hold space for myself. I've been able to hold space for them. And I, I always tell them, like, this has been so healing for me to hear like how you're trying to break cycles, how you're um, wanting to do different with your children. Like yeah. it's almost like they're modeling to me like, oh, there are men that want to have a relationship. <laughs> yeah, they exist. <laughs> they exist. <Wow. laughs> yeah, I think that, you know, like just just to wrap up with your with your father in law. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting because it's likely that he doesn't call what he's going through maybe a healing or awakening journey, right? Like there's likely yeah. not the words to it, but it sounds to me like there's been an awakening to a knowing, like mm-hmm. a perspective shift, you know, that yes. really has put things into into a different weight that maybe they did for him before. Oh yes. And I think that when he got on dialysis things really shifted because he um, was no longer able to go visit his mother in El Salvador Mm. because of his treatment, uh, dialysis treatment. And then, so I think he really has been trying to lean on his family here and having to really reflect because he is limited now. So there's more time to now process, like things are coming to the surface. Um, He is, my husband told me that he's like, my dad said, I love you. Oh. <laughs> uh, and he's like that was weird mm. and i'm like i'm like and you know we talk about that but he's not only like you know doing this with me but he's starting to do it with the rest of his family mm-hmm. that's yeah it, it's i don't know just as someone who's like um i guess an observer just someone who like likes to hear stories and listen i just feel like it's so so interesting because what can be perceived as a negative can bring sometimes so much positive right like for Mm -hmm. him the or for you the impact he's making because of this thing that happened to him is huge it's instrumental it's going to cause generational healing in some way too Mm -hmm. um and at the same time you know it's a difficult situation that he's going through so i don't know it's just like i've been seeing duality so much and in in everything that i've like been tuning into i'm like wow yeah there's always that right Yes, absolutely. And I think um, we've all noticed it kind of in the family, how he is more reflective. He is more expressive and how this like tragedy has just brought up so much, like you mentioned, like awakening for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So back to your story, you were doing your master's program. You started to Mm -hmm. set some boundaries, get the language to maybe what you were experiencing, needing to Mm -hmm. do. You're getting some pushback from your family. Was there like a moment where you were able to to break free from that push and pull that you feel when you're going through this? Because I think like mm. when you're doing this, yeah. you love them. There's this closeness. So when you start to set boundaries, it's like this push and pull internally of like, I know I need them or I love them or I, mm-hmm. I want to be there for them. And this feels like the opposite of that sometimes. 
So I think I still experience it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it might be a little bit easier to like maybe cope with it, but I, I definitely still do. Um, what I think shifted is my my language when I do implement the boundary. So I would feel so much guilt. And it's not that I don't feel it now, but I keep telling myself like, by you setting this boundary, it is a self of a act of self love towards yourself, like being able to protect yourself. Um, so one other thing that I've done as I've you know implemented these boundaries and this, um, like this tug towards like, you know, um, push and pull is like needing to also identify like safe topics that I can have with my family. That's been really important because I think it goes hand in hand with my boundaries. Like it almost lets me see how much can I share? How much do I have to kind of step back? And it allows me to still be somewhat close to my parents, but still I'm still protecting myself. So there's specific topics that I'm like, okay, I feel comfortable sharing this, but Maybe this more intimate conversation, I'll leave it with my cousin who can relate more to that first gen experience Mm -hmm. and get that validation from them. So it's a work in progress, but, um, you know, I'm I'm, I'm still trying. I'm still trying to navigate these waters of like, because I still love, like you said, I love my family. I love my culture. I love like my, you know, what this you know the first gen experience but it is it can be really rough sometimes yeah yeah what do you think was it or what would you say is where you're currently at in your healing journey if you were to put it like what is this chapter called i think this chapter is called um breaking cadenas because I'm, uh, my son is two, um, two years old, two and a half. And I think right now I'm really trying to not only heal for myself, but continue to heal for my son. Mm-hmm. So I'm really trying to, you know, break those cadenas. And when you, when I became a mother, all my stuff came up, all the things that are still left unresolved surfaced. So I think that in this time of my life is parenting, like wanting to parent different, wanting to be attuned to my son, being able to once again play and be creative because I didn't get a lot of that growing up. So my son is really showing me how to play, how to really like be present and Mm -hmm. just be in the moment and um, just accept sometimes just like things are going to just be and um you might have a plan today but tomorrow it's going to look completely different because having a toddler like it's so unpredictable so um yeah i think that's kind of where i'm at and still being mindful and building healthier relationships to help me along the way because um, i have a lot of mom friends who are going through similar things trying to break those cadenas and um, finding it that it's hard that it's sometimes those old patterns will surface 
And I think sometimes it's interesting with mindfulness and being present. Like it's a it's a desirable thing, something that you want, but then you're aware of so much, right? Like when oh you start God. to be more present, it's like then everything can maybe essentially be a trigger if you're in trigger mode, let's say. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But also like sometimes you observe so much, right? Because we don't realize yeah. how much in survival mode or not present we were before. Yeah, um, I think I noticed that when um, sometimes him and I are like reading a book or just like he's he's playing and I'm just like sitting there just observing him. I think that what's come up is like some of that grief, Priscilla, of like, wow, I didn't always have that. And I feel a little sad right now that I didn't have that experience, but I'm able to do that. So like being able to hold both like the sadness Mm-hmm. And still being able to hold that joy that, but look, you're doing that for your son yeah. and he's going to have a more reparative, a different reparative experience than you have. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, no, I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. Is that fulfilling? Like, does that fill the cup or no? Is it a different cup that it fills? I don't have children, so that's why I'm asking. Oh, <laughs> you know, I think that um, it, it fills um, some of the cup. I think okay. seeing it, having, because um, I see him and I'm always like, wow, that's probably how I would have been. Because he definitely has my personality. He's like copy and paste of my husband, oh. like <laughs> physically. I just, but like as I'm seeing him like uh, develop his personality, I'm like, that's Liz. Mm. That's like so <laughs> me. And I always think like that would have been me if I was given that experience. So I think it's fulfilling in that way. I think um, what fills up my cup is being able to do some of the play that I want to do. So whether it's singing or whether it's going and dancing, because I love to dance, I love to sing, allowing myself to be creative with other creatives um, Mm. and being seen by them too and I see them and I think exchanging that has been able to be so healing for me Um, because once again I didn't get the chance to play much yeah and that inner Nina didn't get to be seen right like for who she was Mm -hmm. for who she truly was and what she truly wanted to do yeah, I was only seen if I got the good grades. I got accepted to the good school. If I performed, if I did the household chores, right? All these responsibilities mm-hmm. that um, that's, I was doing great. But the minute I went and I wanted to do something else, mm. yeah, I was seen as the bad kid. Yeah. Wow. So would you say that you're really intentional about seeing that inner niña? Uh, now yes I do feel that that's when you said like where are you at in your healing journey it's like definitely breaking the cadenas for my son but with myself too like being able to give her like see her mm-hmm. and if she wants something like if she sees something at the store that she wasn't able to get when she was little I get it for myself um, <laughs> the class that I wanted to take and I couldn't I go and I take it um as long as it's within my means, like I do it and I talk to her. I talk to her like all the time in the morning. I tell her like, you know, you've got this. Um, you you know, you're doing so great. I know that it's hard right now, but you're doing it. So like that inner dialogue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
even to like the relationships that I'm choosing, like making sure that the relationships I, um, I have, that they're going to nourish her and take care of her and protect her. Um, because growing up, there wasn't many boundaries and I was hurt emotionally a lot. So I was like, you know, I also need to be mindful of the relationships I, I have in my life because they're going to impact me. Mm-hmm. And I have control now to, to protect her. Yeah. How does one, like, mm, I think that when you start to realize you didn't have boundaries, right? You grew up, there was an enmeshment. I think you said that word, enmeshment. Um, yeah. And you start to individuate. Boundaries can become, like, let, let's think of them as, like, little stepping stones or walls, right? That kind of protect you and your inner self. Yeah. Have you maybe in your experience or seen like that it can become counterproductive where you're now that person that's walled up, you know, when like, Mm. let's say the the parental figures were the ones that had those walls, it's hard to get through them. And then now in your own kind of protection, you're doing the same. That's a really good question, Priscilla. I think that when I um, first started to implement these boundaries, like I was very rigid like no I now can I know what I need to do and I'm going to keep myself safe I think what I'm starting to learn is this idea of okay maybe I do need to have some rigid boundaries in the beginning as I'm, I'm building these new relationships or even with my family but asking myself what do you think you need Liz in order to maybe like loosen those boundaries a little bit more is it that you need consistency in your relationships? Is it that you need stability? Is it mm-hmm. that you need safety? Like, what is it that you need to allow people in? Um, because, yeah, growing up, it was very porous. Like, I lo- I wanted the love. I wanted the attention. I let everybody in. But that hurt. Yeah. Ended up hurting. Now it's like, okay, I have my core group of friends and those are the friends that have been stable and consistent in my life and I nourish those relationships. But if somebody new wants to come in, I have to be very mindful of um, like who that is and what I need in order to build that trust. Mm, I see. Yeah. Yeah. I've been getting this word like recalibrate. I don't know if Mm. it's going to be a workshop or something, but Uh. I just think that a lot of us get to, yeah, we kind of maybe we're growing up in one extreme of things like porous, empathetic, responsible. And then we maybe lean to the opposite. Like we we discover we we have freedom, free will. (laughs) And so we individuate, set those boundaries. And I think that at some point, once we start to lean into self-love, self-care, consistency with ourselves, there is like a, okay, I can, you know, I can maybe like, like you said, loosen up those boundaries. I can kind of recalibrate to the center to where I'm no longer on either end Mm -hmm. of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And also recognizing that there are some people in our lives, Priscilla, that we are going to have to have those rigid boundaries with. Mm, yeah. I think that's important yeah. that it's not like an all or nothing thing. Like there might be, like I had mentioned, my core group of friends, like I can be more poor, have more porous boundaries because they've modeled to me and they've shown me that I'm safe to do that. But there's some people that I've allowed in and they're continuous, like it hurts. Mm. 
yeah. to loosen up. So there might be some that I'm like, no, like I definitely need to continue to have those rigid boundaries. But with them, I can have a little bit more porous. So it's a matter of like trying to navigate these relationships, listening to your intuition, mm-hmm. um, trusting yourself and be like, hmm, there's something odd here. I'm going to kind of like lean into it. So I think that's kind of how I've been trying to navigate boundaries that it's not an all or nothing yeah. um, type of type of thing. Yeah, they evolve as you they evolve. They definitely do. And then mm-hmm. as they evolve <laughs> as others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this continuous flow. And I agree. I think intuition plays a huge part of being able to navigate that, like the the changes that happen around you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can give like an example. I recently, um, I have a core group of uh, cousins that, you know, we didn't talk for a very long time. And then we reconnected and then we came back to each other's lives. And now right now we're in a stage where we're really like open with each other. They're probably one of my biggest cheerleaders. Like every time they see me, they're like hyping me up and they're like, everything you're doing is so amazing. And I think that I had rigid boundaries with them at one point, then they loosened up, then they went back to rigid. And then now I feel like, okay, you've been around. I can, I feel the sense of trust and love. I can open up. And I think they're starting to see like the, the true and authentic part of me that they're like, wow, like I really love that. And I feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, my boundaries have evolved with the relationship. Yeah. And what is something that stands out to you as like maybe one of your biggest wins in this journey for you? So I was in a partnership and I decided to branch out on my own this year and I rebranded. I did everything's like now just me. And it's probably one been one of the hardest years, but one of the years that it's like I've grown the most. I've had to really lean on myself because my brand is literally me now. Yeah. Like what I represent, anything from the colors to the design to what I'm putting out there, uh, it's me. And before, like it wasn't even with this partnership, but all the other jobs that I had, like I almost had to like adapt mm-hmm. or like, right, I had to adapt. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, so I have to kind of like a chameleon. So I don't think I was able to really show my true self until this year. And so what you're seeing out on my social media, on my podcast, like it's me. And that was a hard, it's been, there's been its ups and downs. And I've really like, I'm still learning to figure out who I am, what I like, what I don't like. So I think that has been a big win of, of like recently of being able to trust myself and doing this on my own Mm. oh my goodness yeah you know i don't know if you've experienced this i actually left my job exactly a year ago too Uh and well for one i think none of us really realize how many decisions are already made for us when it comes to like these jobs all of these things that are already like uh decisions are already made for us i don't know if you feel like when you're in these systems, you have this desire to to be on your own, to do your own thing, to express yourself. And then you get the freedom to, and it's like, you kind of freeze. Like, wait, who am I? Yeah. What do I want? <laughs> what do I want yes. to express? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, going back to even just this conversation, like, you know, growing up being first gen, I wasn't asked often, like, what does Liz want? Mm-hmm. 
what does Liz want? What does she like? It was more of what sometimes like what the family needed. And I think this is the first time where I'm like, yeah, like people are asking me, well, what do you want? I see it in my clients too. And a lot of my first gen clients, I'm like, what is it that you want? And they're like, I don't know. (laughs) And, And I'm like, yeah, it's a real thing. So I definitely have experienced the freezing. Like, I don't know. Give me a minute. Like, I, I'm still trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely can relate to what you were saying. Like, everything from the clothing to, like, what's expected in these roles. There's just so much to that. To, like, yeah. going on your own and trusting yourself. Mm-hmm. But kudos to you for doing it. I know oh, it's not easy, you. and I know, yeah, you like you said, maybe even like parenting brings up all of these shadows that you weren't aware of. I'm sure that this yeah. process has done something similar, but for you to like continue to put yourself out there, branch out <laughs> is amazing. So yeah, yay! I yeah, see you, little you Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> I see you too. I see you. It's so nice to share a space with someone that like can relate yeah. and can. Um, you know, I think that's uh, why it's so powerful, community is so powerful, is that sometimes we do feel so alone in this experience and that we're not. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear your story and I follow your content and I'm like, I can totally relate to what she's saying because that was my experience. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And it's so powerful, right? Like to be validated. Obviously, in the process, you're validating yourself. I mean, like to take the next step, you have to. But then to hear it from others and to see it reflected is so, so special. Yeah. I agree. Thank you for seeing me. I see you too. Hey, <laughs> our, our interview. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're dancing. And- <laughs> yeah. <Hey. laughs> when you're branching out, you have no idea what you're about to experience, you know, and you, you don't, you couldn't have ever put this on your vision board, like sharing space Mm -hmm. with someone, you know what I mean? Like, no, it's not something you kind of, I think it's like part of our intuition was leading us to do these things and guiding us here in different ways. And that's so, so cool that there was the better that we were searching for they're out there it's just like a matter of really validating trusting and a a whole other bunch of stuff totally all right well thank you so so much for bringing us into your story a bit and yeah just guiding us through like what it's like to be healing in Mm -hmm. as a therapist in a first-gen home or as part of like a first-gen family um i you know obviously it comes with with difficulties like i think all journeys do but it was so interesting to learn about um yours and for anyone that resonated with some of the stuff that you shared i like to do like a resource section where i ask you Mm. um some of the resources that were helpful to you so that they can check them out So the first one is, what is your favorite healing or mindful tool that you use on a regular basis? So I'm going to say movement is one of my most um, healing tool has been, once again, I'm going to come back to it, but my body loves to move. It loves to dance. It -hmm. loves to be, um, I also recently took on um, kickboxing. So anything that helps me move my body, I'm I'm, I'm for it. Ooh, okay. Favorite quote or advice that you refer back to? Comparison is the killer of dreams. 
influencer that you follow that leaves you feeling positively inspired? You know, recently I've been really connecting to Cristina Rodriguez from the Latinas with Masters. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. She, um, I think what she represents is just so amazing. She really highlights a lot of Latinas who are pursuing their higher education and supporting them. So I'm going to give her a shout out today because she's doing big things for our community awesome and she's under at like latinas with masters masters yeah okay and then lastly a feel-good book or movie the the recent movie with the astronaut the um Mm. a million miles away yeah so good such a good one we're doing it right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah that one's beautiful i recommend it too So we're going to be recording a part two. If you guys enjoyed Elizabeth's story, make sure that you stay tuned for that, where we will be talking about EMDR and holistic healing. Mm. Before we close out, is there any words, last words that you have for our first gen listeners? Surround yourself with people that are going to cheer you on, that are going to support you. um, And don't give up. Like, you know, you're not alone. Like you really aren't. so and i see you i really do i see all of you and i'm thank you for listening to my story today yay thank you thank you guys if you found this helpful please make sure that you like comment subscribe and share it with your amigas amigos amigues and remember first gen that i love you i love me and i can't wait for you to love yourself bye Bye.